So today we're going to shift gears a bit from some wonderful uh, content in the area of uh, skills and human resources, uh, which I think is the right priority. And we're going to segue a little bit more into talking about uh, decision making in a company. Uh, more specifically, the use of a digital planning twin to connect decisions uh, from strategy to tactical as well as across all the important functions that cover a value chain. Uh, so that's our focus. Uh, just a little bit about River Logic. Uh, we're a software company based here in Dallas. Uh, well, when I say here, it's uh, almost an hour away from here, but uh, it's local. Uh, and uh, that didn't earn me a hotel room for uh, last night. Uh, so it was an early morning drive. Very happy to be here with you. Uh, and uh, I'm going to welcome John here in a second. But our company has been around for over 20 years. Uh, always focused on the mission of improving decision making in business uh, through, as I said, the application of a digital planning twin. Uh, a digital planning twin, I will go more into detail and John will talk extensively about how it applies in his business, uh, but essentially is a digital representation of a business situation, a value chain, a supply chain, a process, uh, that allows you to then look into the future uh, and replicate how that business would work under different assumptions, under different what if scenarios, and it uses a bunch of advanced mathematics to come back with recommendations. Uh, if this happens, what should you do? What could you do? Um, and uh, the areas where it's been applied uh, most commonly evolve uh, or are along a continuum <coughs> As you can see, our connected decisions chart is uh, probably a little bit small to see from far away, but uh, on the sort of darker blue side, you will see all the strategic applications for a digital planning twin, uh, all the way from running the end-to-end -end strategy for a business. This could be a three-year, a five-year, or in some industries, is a 30- or 40-year plan, as you see maybe in utilities or mining. Uh, and it's connecting everything from what markets you're going to serve, with what products, uh, what is your supply chain going to look like, uh, how much capacity, what are you going to make, uh, and what are you going to buy from suppliers, whether that's finished goods, working process, and of course uh, on the raw material side. And then tying all that back into uh, the most efficient allocation of capital, uh, as well as uh, the um, targets that you might have, which could be around net present value, could be around profit, growth, uh, or some measure of resiliency. Uh, that wheel extends all the way through uh, more narrower applications, uh, such as your manufacturing footprint, and looking at that alone, or business continuity planning, which looks at risk, uh, and uh, tries to assess uh, the likely impact of different risks on a given supply chain or value chain design. Uh, looking also at sustainability, that's a little bit new, uh, but uh, we're doing a lot of work around uh, understanding the constraints and trade-offs imposed by CO2 emission reduction targets. Uh, and so those can be looked at as something that uh, <coughs> contributes to the business, uh, but also impose, imposes cost. And so there's a, there is a trade-off to be had in there, and our job is to quantify the trade-off so that management can make the right decision. 
if you continue along that, then we get into more of the traditional network design. So this is around distribution, warehouse location, flow path, and that sort of thing. And then jumping over into the tactical, the tactical applications are more short-term oriented. They can be around 18 months, in months or weeks, or down to very detailed production planning and scheduling, order allocation, things that help you respond to events uh, as opposed to proactively plan and, and redesign what your business looks like. Uh, all of it is supported by a digital planning twin. So again, that's a forward-looking representation uh, of a business that then helps you drive action. I'm gonna segue now into uh, eco-material technology. Uh, they've been a partner of ours for over four years. Uh, it's been a very fantastic journey for I think both organizations. Uh, and I'm going to ask John if he can introduce himself and eco-material a little bit. A little bit. Sure, that was quite the intro there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, my name is John Barclay. I'm the uh, uh, National Truck Transportation Director for Eco-Material Technologies. <clears throat> we are a, um, essentially a reuser, a recycler of coal combustion products. So um, our main source of uh, fly ash, which is our, one of our main core businesses, is from coal-fired uh, utilities. So obviously that market is very dynamic right now. We move about uh, 7 million tons of fly ash annually and about 20 million of coal combustion products across uh, our supply chain. Um, so um, a little bit about our business, it's, it's a very dynamic business, especially <clears throat> with everything going on in the market. We have um, the move towards more sustainable energy, so we have power plants shutting down across, excuse me, uh, shutting down across the country. So <clears throat> that has turned our business into more of a logistics business. We have over 3,000 rail cars, which we move product in. We manage uh, 100 private fleet trucks. We have a, a third-party fleet of over 200 trucks as well. And all of that requires sophisticated planning, and that's where... Um, River Logic and the digital twin that they've been able to create for our business has allowed us to plan on a 24-month, a rolling 24-month, a rolling 12-month, and then we even dial it down, as you mentioned, on a tactical level to a weekly short-term planning call where we determine where we're sending product based on, <coughs> excuse me, margin and um, also, uh, you know, various other factors that, that drive our business daily. That's great. Uh, and so just to uh, kick it off in terms of uh, um, the focus on the digital planning twin, um, what prompted you to seek uh, a partner in this, in this space? Well, as I mentioned, our business has changed dramatically. So 10 years ago, there was an oversupply of fly ash and other coal combustion products. <clears throat> All of the, um, and essentially it's used to in concrete, so it's used as a cement replacement. It has some beneficiation properties to make it stronger, more dense, less cracking and, and holding up better. Um, but um, as we saw the shift from a local market, everything was driven by serving uh, markets in the local area to a national market. We have 
105 power plants that we service and uh, 27 terminals across the country in 45 states. So, and, and a lot of that has been built, the terminals have been built in the last 10 years. And we needed better planning tools. Everything was done in Excel spreadsheets or um, in, in ways that were just inefficient. So we were looking for an efficient way to plan and also to tie it to profitability. And that's where the digital twin came in, in, in key for us because we can look at each lane, how profitable the lanes are, and then go back and make you know, well-informed decisions. That's great. And uh, so you already went a little bit into this um, in terms of the business problems that you were seeking to solve. Uh, so maybe you can elaborate a bit more about that. Yeah, everything from um, looking at our fleet sizing, um, looking at what markets to go into. Um, again, a lot of this was new for us and that we're reaching markets uh, that were traditionally served locally from, uh, you know, we're now serving them via rail. Um, but, but the main thing is obviously looking at uh, the, the network design and how we could how we could have uh, drive profitability. Uh, that's that's why we're all in business, right? Yep. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and as you look at the future, uh, we've of course been adding more and more capability over time. Uh, but what do you see coming next? So you know what we've been able to do is use the tool to uh, optimize our, our partnerships with the railroads and with other trucking companies. Um, we're able to drive, uh, uh, use that to drive um, better pricing with our vendors. Um, right now, we manage all of our internal movements. Uh, so it's movements to our terminals, it's movements from plants to um, our, our <coughs> rail transloads, and then on to uh, the last mile piece. So I think the next step that we're engaging with RiverLogic on is looking at going ahead and extending that out to our customer locations, and we're pretty excited about that. Um, the other thing, since we have this digital twin of our business where we can forecast 12 and 24 months, um, is incorporating it in our budget planning and forecasting. And that's something that, that we haven't done a great job of forecasting, and we're excited to, to be bringing that on board. And your CFO is uh, driving that process. Absolutely. So, you know, um, the, the, the success we've had on the supply chain side has really piqued the interest of our uh, finance team. And, um, you know, we end up providing a lot of data that they don't have uh, that they would like to have. So um, we're now bringing um, our model, the, 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 the digital twin model, we're bringing it in and comparing it to our financials and, and uh, uh, excited about the forecasting capabilities. Yeah, and one of the things we heard is that uh, in the first month that uh, you forecasted the financials, uh, it was within 5% of uh, where, where it ended up being. Yeah, and even, so even when we, when we implemented this project uh, several years ago, that was how we uh, tested the, the logic behind the model was to take the prior year's financials, build the model, force it uh, to try to recreate uh, uh, the uh, financial results from prior year, and we were within a few percentage points. So we could tell that, that 
as we pull different levers in the model, we're able to see how that's going to impact our business. And you have a bit of a, a different uh, roadmap, probably hard to read, but uh, maybe you can give a high-level overview of this. Yeah, again, so we started um, with just the basic integration, uh, made sure to get all of our locations and everything in the system. Then we started looking at uh, uh, a 12-month rolling forecast. Um, after we had success with a 12-month rolling forecast, we moved to a 24-month rolling forecast. We do that every month. We present, we, we gather information from all the stakeholders, um, and then we uh, take that data, add it into the model, we do a run of the model, and then we present it to the executive team for sign-off for our plan for the next 24 months. Um, and that's done every month, and we, we've had fantastic results. Um, and as I said, you know, it's a 24-month model, but then we have to dial that down on a tactical level to where we're going to make our shipments for the upcoming week. Uh, again, with a fleet of 3,000 rail cars, we're, we're moving product, uh, you know, from uh, Missouri to California, from Illinois to Texas, um, from uh, Tennessee to Boston, and all those moves require, you know, analysis of, of what our available sources are, and that's something I didn't touch on, so I'm going to back up a little bit. But as I mentioned, the, the market's changing. Um, so we have gone from a, a, a surplus situation to a lot of places now we have to allocate product. So there's not enough product for the demand, and therefore, again, the optimization model helps us decide where we're going to which ramps we're going to go down based on our profitability and our, our customer demands. Yep. So bringing it back to <clears throat> the chart I showed you earlier around connected decisions, uh, all the highlighted ones are areas where Ecomaterial has been able to use the same version of the digital planning tool to support uh, decisions. Um, why is this important? Because connecting the decisions means that you're understanding the other functions and the other horizons uh, that you're planning against and considering those uh, when you make those decisions. So making a decision around uh, allocating product to a market is considering uh, all the availability and the cost of the supply, which in their case can be complex, as well as all the options to get that material over there. Uh, and then that ties into their financial planning, uh, as well as some of their more strategic uh, optionality around how they allocate CapEx uh, and how they change their network as they look into the future. So uh, it's very important that uh, those, those decisions are connected uh, because as you look into what the actual digital planning twin is, uh, and we talked about it being a digital representation of a network. Um, this is an abstraction uh, of the digital planning twin that uh, Ecomaterial uses. It's, it's heavily simplified and, and sanitized to, to be specific, but you can see that it goes all the way from the left side uh, where you have the uh, basically partnership with their suppliers, uh, and this could be the people that have the fly ash, uh, or it could be others. Um, some of these contracts are actually fairly complex. They have some 
uh, cost plus, they have some profit sharing, <coughs> they have this straight up uh, payment contract uh, for that flyer. Uh, and based on that contract, as well as all the processing they, they can do, and this could be just uh, transporting and combining, it could be blending, uh, and down the line, it could be making green cement, uh, and then all the options around transportation, uh, the customers, uh, the prices that you're going to get for uh, the different grades of the material. Um, and in the middle of that, you have to understand the constraints. So the constraints means, uh, in, you know, anybody in supply chain understands the constraint. Uh, but here we also may have constraints around the actual contract uh, that you have with the supplier. Or you may have some constraints that are financial in nature uh, because there is a working capital constraint or because there is a capex budget uh, that needs to be respected. Maybe there is a minimum profit target. Uh, so the digital planning twin uh, on the other side of the chart, I think is your left side maybe, right side, right side for me, uh, represents the financial rollups for eco-material. Uh, again, that's simplified, but you can see that there are regions, they roll up into corporate, and every time the product moves from one region to another, they incur transfer prices. Then you have to eliminate the transfer prices. In some cases, if they're going international, it may include taxes, uh, which need to be considered. So the definition of the digital planning twin, again, is a forward-looking representation. In that representation, we have the full value chain, so how they make money, how they incur costs to deliver that product, what it costs them, and how they pay for their supplies, and all the financial representations that affect that, whether it's because you have constraints uh, or because there are some objectives, such as profit, uh, that maybe uh, need to be represented in there. The digital planning twin is able to configure an optimization model based on those parameters uh, that we specified to them. So we heard John talk about the optimization model. So once you have that representation, uh, it understands the assumptions you're making, it understands the constraints that you're imposing, whether they're uh, commercial, policy, uh, supply chain, or even financially related, it understands the objectives that you have. Uh, in their case, the objectives may be around growth, uh, but around also margin. We talked about, uh, John talked about planning the margin. And so it's able to then configure an optimization model to, to recommend the best set of decisions for those assumptions for that one, one what if. And you can then run many, many what ifs. In fact, we have customers that run 15,000 what-if scenarios in, in a period of three or four months as they're looking at the combination of risk uh, and the optimization for the best path forward. Uh, so this hopefully brings a little bit to life. Um, and to look at it in a different way, um, normally, of course, everybody here understands supply chain, so we don't need to talk too much about that. Uh, but it's hopefully, right? <laughs> the focus tends to be around service level and cost. Uh, with decisions supporting that. Uh, what we see, and including the case of eco-material, is that we're adding more things into that picture. We're not taking away from understanding the supply chain, understanding the constraints, understanding what is the best way to deliver product uh, to a given service level, what is the minimum cost, but we're starting to look at the full picture, uh, where we add maybe a view as to the margin. Uh, even differentiating average versus marginal profit, 
looking at growth, looking at risk factors, um, and being able to influence broader decisions. Uh, so not just maybe uh, the flow path uh, or where you process what and what capacity you run, but also what products and customers to focus on and how should you have established the relationship with your suppliers so that it provides for you the, the platform you need to grow, to grow, to manage your margins, uh, and to manage your risk. Um, and so the digital planning twin is able to expand uh, to maybe start with supply chain, but then over time add all these other elements uh, so we can peel the onion and find more and more value for the business. And that's certainly been your experience, uh, uh, if I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you also have to go through a bit of a transformation in order to progressively absorb more and more of these capabilities into the company. For sure. I, I think to touch on a couple of items you mentioned, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, our main business has gone, we're now looking at, you know, we estimate there's about 2 billion tons of landfilled material that we can harvest. Now, not all of that's harvestable and usable, uh, but that's a focus of our business, which requires a lot of CapEx. So we're able to, you know, take the model, um, look at what our um, potential projects are, what lanes we're going to service, what customers and regions we're going to be able to service with that project, and make better CapEx decisions. Um, yeah, and then, you know, we also have a focus. We have a plant here in, in Texas that's producing um, uh, green cement product is what we call it. It's a, uh, one of our subsidiaries, and it uh, is on uh, pace to, to produce 200,000 tons of essentially uh, cement substitute for Portland cement that's 99% CO2 uh, free. And we have more projects in the pipeline like that. Again, that requires a lot of capital, and it requires good, good decisions. You make a couple of wrong steps, and, <clears throat> and you can be in trouble. So having the confidence of, of having that digital uh, uh, twin where we can look at how it affects our business across the entire network is very important. And the, <clears throat> the green cement is a fantastic evolution because normally in cement, uh, uh, it's almost a one-to-one -one ratio of uh, CO2 emission to ton of cement. So being able to produce something that's 99% yeah, CO2-free is, is, is quite a benefit. We're very excited about it. I'm a supply chain guy, so I don't know all the, the secrets behind all that, uh, but uh, hope to learn that soon. But it, it's exciting. We've uh, been producing that for a couple of years, and it's mostly being used here in Texas uh, yeah. for DOT um, uh, roadway uh, infrastructure. I mean, we're a construction material business, so um, all of our products are used in infrastructure, residential, uh, every commercial uh, construction, and uh, we're excited to bring some uh, sustainability to that uh, industry, which is, is lacking that at the moment. And can you cover some of the benefits that you realized so far? Uh, yeah, I think I, I jumped ahead a little bit on script, so Carlos is probably mad at me here. But, uh, um, you know, I think the, the, the main thing that, that we've seen as we implemented this is the ability to uh, improve profitability. And one of the ways that we were able to do that is, is we were able to demonstrate to the marketing team that in certain areas where we may not have a source 
but we could get product to market. Um, if they continued to, uh, obviously, like I said, it's a, it's a cement replacement product um, up to a certain percentage. So if you know what the price of cement is in that market, and you can push your prices up, we can improve profitability across the network. Um, so we may be selling in California, but it's improving the profitability of a, a plant in um, Illinois. I think, uh, again, you mentioned complexity. Um, with our main uh, source being our utility partners, again, we have 105 utility partners, so uh, we have these complex contracts with them, and all that has to be loaded into the model, both the, the financial risk, any penalties, but we also have to maintain 105 separate uh, profit and loss uh, centers. So it gets very complex, and the, and the ability to have the automation or the, the, the algorithm take into effect, take into account all of that complexity has been a huge benefit. Yeah, I heard uh, <clears throat> some of your contracts even say things like uh, maybe you're taking the product in a certain state, and if you sell it within the same state, you pay a certain amount. Uh, and if you sell it in a different state, you pay a different amount. Uh, and so that has to get factored against the cost of transport, the cost of processing, and the feasibility of doing that. So yes, the complexity is, is quite significant. 100%. I'd love to go into details of our contracts, but I don't want to give away all the secrets. So, <laughs> so moving on, uh, um, maybe somebody in the audience is wondering how they could get started uh, on a journey similar to yours. Uh, what advice would you have? So uh, I'm sure with everybody being in supply chain, you've been through painful implementations. Um, the, the, the key factor is going to be to get buy-in from all the stakeholders. And, and from, from our side, what we saw in the greatest benefit was it's, it has to, had to be driven top-down because at first um, uh, some of the stakeholders didn't believe or didn't see the benefit because they couldn't see the output yet. So if you get buy-in from, make sure your leadership is on, on board and uh, you have buy-in from all your stakeholders. Um, and then, you know, I think you have to have that mindset that you need the long-term planning. Um, and that again, is gonna have to come from your leadership team. Um, so, you know, we went through an extensive RFP process. We looked at a couple of other vendors, um, highly recommend getting uh, customer references. That was a big uh, decision uh, tool we used. And, you know, make sure the product is tailored for, it, it is either tailored for your business or can be customized for your business. Because I've been through some implementations of other products where, um, you know, quite frankly, they expect you to change your business to fit their product. And that has not gone well for me in the past. So. Those would be my recommendations. Thank you. And uh, last question uh, is how would you summarize our partnership? I think it's been a fantastic relationship. I mean, I was excited to get to come here uh, kind of on short notice because uh, my vice president wasn't able to make it, uh, but uh, excited to, to spend time with the team. It's been a very collaborative effort. Uh, I would say uh, we haven't had to be pulling you guys along, we've more likely been pushed. So that's always a positive in, in, in a relationship like this. And then, 
you know, when we have either, uh, as we mentioned, growth strategy or we want to look at taking the next connected decision, uh, it's been a very uh, uh, beneficial relationship, and it's it's uh, something that that uh, we we haven't experienced much. So I was I was happy to come here and and uh, try to brag about your products because we we really enjoy the benefits we're receiving from them, and and I think there's uh, a lot to be said for that. Well, it certainly helps that you guys are visionaries uh, in what you want to achieve. Uh, so it makes it easy to partner. Um, and uh, I want to thank John for sharing your perspectives here. Uh, and uh, you can find us uh, at the booth. Uh, we're also hosting a lunch uh, and uh, maybe see some of you for dinner. And thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today.